Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. This first Sunday of the year, this first message I preached the watch night service, which was still 2022 into 2023. But this one, uh, the Lord has given me a very important message. I've been mentioning it here in church, and I believe today is the day God wants me to deliver it. And I've entitled it, Long Life and Fulfilling of Destiny. Just before I go into the Word, I want to make two comments. Usually at the beginning of the, of the year like this, in many churches, you find people talking about the year, politics, government, election. And some people may be expecting to do that. I'm not going to do that. It's because I've not been instructed to, number one. Number two, and probably more importantly, is that God is more interested in the church. It is the church that will solve the problem of the nation. Maybe we don't understand that. You will discover, observe rather, that when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he didn't pray for the world. He prayed for the church. He said, I pray not for the world, but I pray for these men, these 12, and then by extension, all of us. And he prayed that, you know, we would know the love of God, that, you know, um, 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 we'll become one. He prayed for the unity of the church, not just the unity of the faith, but more importantly, the unity of the spirit and the unity of knowledge, so that they may be made perfect in one, so that the world will know. You see, by praying for the church, he was praying for the world. Because the salvation of the church, of the world, is in the hands of the church. And that is why my focus is not so much on the nation as it is on the church. Because I have come to realize, I've been praying for Nigeria by the grace and the mercy of God. I yet not I, but the grace of God that is within me for the past 42 years consistently. I first got the call when I was in Imperial College before I even came to Nigeria. I didn't, I didn't know some of the scriptures I know now. I didn't know Zephaniah. I didn't know Isaiah. I didn't know those. I had read them, but like I was a young Christian. I didn't have a revelation about them. you know. But I just knew Nigeria was very important. And God told me that I should start praying for Nigeria. And then, of course, I heard from Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin taught us from 1 Timothy chapter 2 that we should pray for kings and for all that in authority. So I took it seriously. And as I pray one hour every week, one every week, I started praying for Nigeria on my own as an individual. Then, years later, you know, um, just around the time, just before we started Scripture Pasture, about a year before we started Scripture Pasture, you know, um, a group of us, myself, uh, Larry Adineko, with whom I started Scripture Pasture, you know, uh, Pastor Ronti, I think, was doing his youth call. So he wasn't very much around at that time. Um, um, Fred Adegoke, Friday Beki, uh, Wale Adekoya of blessed memory. Uh, occasionally, Francis Wale Oke would join us, you know. Uh, it was about 10 of us, you know. Uh, some people would come, some would go. We started praying for Nigeria every Tuesday. 
in our house. That house we started scripture pastoring. You know, that's how I started this Tuesday thing. Now that's the origin of it. You know, and so later on, when we started the church, you know, uh, we started also praying for the nation, especially after June 12, 1993, the um, um, annulment of the Abiola election and all the events that followed it, bringing Nigeria to the brink, you know. And I have come to see with this intercession over the years that what the church does or does not do affects the destiny of the nation. And that is why I know a lot of people are anxious about 2023, the coming elections, the violence against the INEC offices, you know, uh, you know the uh, rancor in the political parties. Both parties have one, you know, issue or the other. All of the parties have one issue or the other. You know, as you know, I am totally non-partisan. You know, I, but I, I know that the answer to all of those problems will be, is in the church. If the church, and I believe we will, prays and does its part, God will move sovereignly. And he will cause his kingdom to come and his will to be done in the church. Many people uh, 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 are not conscious sufficiently because invisible things are unreal to us. We can't see them, so we don't, we don't have faith as we should. See, faith is seeing and accepting as reality what is going on in the invisible spiritual realm. Many people do not realize that it is true that God rules in the affairs of men. They don't believe it. And I'll tell you why. They see a lot of terrible things happen on the earth. They see the wicked rule. They see murder. They see sin. They see the destruction, you know, that is in the, in the earth, uh, natural disasters. And they say, where is God in all this? What you need to understand, I said this many years ago, and I'm going to repeat it today, is that God intervenes in strategic places and at strategic points in time in history to cause the course of history to go the way he wants it to go. He does not intervene... Um, openly in the lives of individuals every day, except they're Christians and they know how to pray. He will intervene in every life to some degree. That's why I call it sovereignty, the sovereign grace of God. What I was talking about, Pastor Wally, Pastor Wally was just a child. His mother, you know, wasn't born again at that time. And they went to this cherubim and seraphim church. But God intervened. You know, they were not conscious of it, you know. Brought them back to Nigeria. Brought Wale back to Nigeria. You know, uh, he did his youth coin. Joss came back to Ibadan. You know, they, he wasn't even coming to scripture, but he was going to deeper life. He's going to another church completely. You know, but I think through the you know uh, um, house fellowship, I don't remember the, all the details of the story. But God, he finally came here, and then he heard the the, the preaching and the teaching, and God, you know. Uh, 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 got a hold of him. So what I'm saying is this. It may not be obvious to you, but God is moving. And he's, excuse me, my phone went, on, went off uh, accidentally. Sorry. You know, it may not be obvious to you, but God is working. 
And so it is even with our nation, Nigeria. If you look at our history, you see, you know, even when we didn't know God, even when we, we didn't have a church as strong as we have it now, you know, who knows how to pray, who knows, understands uh, praying in tongues and all. In 1966, 67, how many Christians in Nigeria are praying in tongues? Very few. And even those who were not praying with any degree of something, the civil war, you know, the, the first coup happened, the second coup happened, the civil war happened, and you would have thought it would tear the nation apart. And it almost did. But God intervened. God intervened. Not only did God intervene, some of you may not know this, but it is it's what happened. You know, it was towards the end of the civil war. That is 1968, 69. The civil war ended early in 1970, January 15, if I remember rightly, when the Biafrans, you know, surrendered. Do you know what happened? Right in the civil war, at the tail end of the civil war, many of the young uh, 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 Igbo boys who were in the East started getting born again. There was the SU movement. It was very strong in the East as well as here in Western Nigeria. You know, uh, 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 in, in, in the universities, in the secondary schools, there was this, I remember I was, I, I entered Form 1 in 1970. 71, 72, you know, some of our senior boys started telling us to come to fellowship. We didn't know what fellowship meant. We didn't know what it was all about, you know. But because in those days, seniors were like God. I remember the guy who became senior prefect. He was in Form 3 when I was in Form 1. He was a Christian. And he just said, Johnson, you're coming to fellowship. End of story. <laughs> so that's how it was in those days. It was a direct order. I had let my life be precious in his eyes. I, there was no question of appeal. You know, and we went there singing all the way to Calvary. We didn't know what we were doing, but God was moving. What I'm saying to you is that it's not until you talk politics and all of that before God will move. And that is why what I am being instructed to do is to focus on the church. Because if the church gets it right, Nigeria will get it right. Everything will work out the way God wants it to work out. Whichever way, whichever political party wins, and whichever, you know, whichever way God's, he will work around all of that. And there's this wonderful scripture uh, that God revealed to me in Job 34, and then he gave one to my wife in Job chapter 5. And, you know, it just talks about God intervening in the affairs of men and the political situation. Let me tell you, I said this earlier on this morning when I was teaching and preaching the year of comfort, vengeance, and glory. It will not be business as usual. It doesn't matter who wins. When they come into power, because of the glory of God that is going to come, if you do nonsense and all of that, God's judgment will fall and it will remove you quick. I said quick. The Bible says so. It says he will, he, will, he, will, he will slaughter. I don't know whether that's the word that it used in the book of Job. It says he will remove many mighty men without human hand. And he will set others in their stead. Because they refuse to obey him so that the hypocrites will not reign. If the church gets it right, we will have the power to remove kings and put them back in. Like Daniel. 
Daniel was shuffling kings like you shuffle cards. Daniel was the one from Nebuchadnezzar, from Nebuchadnezzar to his son, to his grandson Belteshazzar, from Belteshazzar to Darius, from Darius to Cyrus. And ultimately the will of God was fulfilled for the Jews to be returned back to the promised land. It's not going to be any different with Nigeria. Turn to your neighbor and say, it is well with Nigeria because it is well with you and I. You need to understand that. And so, this afternoon, I'm going to be sharing with you about the importance of long life and fulfilling your destiny. Many, many, many Christians have a wrong understanding. Let me correct that and be a little bit more generous, have an incomplete understanding of this issue of long life. And so many lives are lost unnecessarily. Many people die prematurely, erroneously believing that is the will of God. They say, oh, well, you know, you know, God is sovereign. Uh, in Yoruba, they say, Akoli Oluwani, that means it's what God has written. There's nothing you can, you can do about it. Once God has said, You know, that means that when God says the day is up, the day is up. And you see, there's truth in that, but it's not the whole truth. There is truth there, but it's not the whole truth. And what I want to do in these next few minutes is to lay a foundation. You must enter 2023 with a correct understanding. You will live and you will not die. You will live and you will declare the glory of God in the land of the living in Jesus' name. But you know, it's not automatic because I shout Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm serious. That's where we got it wrong. We have to have understanding. And by the time I finish, by the grace and the mercy of God, it will become clear to you what the will of God is concerning this issue and its vital importance in the fulfillment of your own personal destiny and by extension, the destiny of the church and by extension, the destiny of the nation. The more strong Christians we have, the quicker God can do what he wants to do in the nation. Many people do not realize that the destiny of an entire nation can rest in the hands of just a few men. Look at Babylon. Four men. Daniel, Shidrach, Meshach, and Abednego controlled the destiny of an empire because they knew God and changed the course of history and, 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 and human events of an entire empire. And they were foreigners there. Yet they, they, they commanded such power and respect that Nebuchadnezzar was, he, God had to discipline a king, an emperor. And he said, now I know that the Most High rules in the affairs of men. And they that walk in pride, he is able to abase through the ministry of four men. We have more than four here. And we are living under a better testi testament. Established upon better promises. 
I want to challenge you. That's why I had the choir. I, I chose that song today. We're looking at the song. We're going to just, I said, let's sing. It's, Lord, I offer my life to you. That's what God, he just needs. I, I was talking about Paul this morning. Paul, one man who was totally sold out. And God got one man to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Take Paul's letters out. You have nothing. You can't even understand the four Gospels without the epistles. Shows you how much God can do if one person or a few people consecrate completely. He will have a, a, an avenue, a portal, uh, a set of people through whom he can fulfill his will. He doesn't, in that time, he doesn't need a crowd. The crowd is just there in the background, you know, for the corporate effect and all of that. But because many people are not very consecrated, then he looks for the few. And then he channels the power that the multitude generate and puts it through those ones, you know, to fulfill his will and his purpose. The second thing I was going to say, you know what reminded me? I saw some people sleeping. As I'm preaching now, some people are sleeping. I see their eyes. You know, and people are going to say, oh, you know, we did all night. Uh, watch night service. Then we went home. We did uh, um, um, good morning, Jesus. Oh, I'm tired and all of that. Look at me. I'm 63 years old. You have been sitting, I've been standing. I stood through the Bible study. I'm anti-tired. You did not prepare the message I did. When I got up last night, like I told you, my wife and I, I ate not too much, but I ate a little, you know, because I knew I was coming to preach. Then I went to bed. I slept for one hour. Just one. Nobody woke me up. No alarm clock. I woke up quarter to four. I usually wake up 3.30. But I woke up quarter to four. I, I, I slept 30 minutes, not one hour. Because I went to bed past three. I woke up. I went to check my wife. My wife didn't go to bed. She just sat on the chair so she wouldn't sleep. And then, you know, we started praying. We did all the prayer, the good morning Jesus prayer and all of that, you know. I finished all my prayers, you know, you know, by 7. Because I put the service at 10. So I took a one-hour nap between 7 and about 8. You know, past, a little bit past 8. Got up, changed, freshened up myself because I had my bath the night before, you know. Drove myself to church. I'm saying this for a reason. I'm not saying it to make you feel bad. I'm saying this as I'm challenging you. The Bible says, follow me as I follow Christ. You know? And here I was. Nine o'clock. I was one of the first people to get to church. I was here by about just nine. Maybe five minutes past nine. Many people hadn't yet come. I go upstairs to my office. I wasn't sleeping. I was praying. Preparing for the service. You know? Pastor Andrew came. And Sister Yemi came. We looked through the songs for the something. Checked everything. You know, and here I was, did the Bible study, came through all the something. I'm a little tired, but not that. Because the life of God is, should be manifest in your mortal flesh. You know, what you are seeing, even though it is not spectacular, is supernatural. It's supernatural. 
And I get home to this afternoon. We're not having three hours after. But somebody has to pay that price. And guess who? Me. I'm going to pray. Pray a little bit. I'm going to rest. I will rest and all of that. Tomorrow too. It's a public holiday. I'll rest and I'll pray. What I'm saying is this. His grace is sufficient. God will strengthen you. It all comes down to what you are willing to do. And what you prioritize. And what you think is important. You know, I said this last night when I, I said it jokingly. And the Holy Spirit said, don't mind them. He said, if it is something secular. You understand? People will do all night, you know, sleep for one hour. You know, if you have, for example, in the days when we used to go to the American embassy. I will remember. You know, at the British embassy, in the Abacha days, in order to go and get your visa. I still remember, you know, sometimes you have to get to that Victoria at 4.30 a.m. And people will sometimes, they'll go to nightclub. Or they go out to a party. You know, ah, American embassy tomorrow, you wake up quick. Quick. And you'll be there. You'll go through all of that, go into the queue, do the, do, do, uh, do the interview, and then it goes to work. He's not going to tell his organ that, oh, I went to American Embassy. You have to still report. Because he has a motivation. Because the American visa is important to him. His work is important to him. So he will make the, he will make the effort and the sacrifice. But when it comes to the things of God, I'm tired. Oh, I spent three hours. Come on, folks. That's why God who spoke to me last night said, Don't mind them. There is something that is important to them, they will make the sacrifice. How many times in, in, do we have all night, uh, sorry, watch night service and, and service back to back once in seven years? Not every day. Why do we find it difficult? Why is it that we are not motivated to make that a priority? Whereas if it was something important to you in your personal life, you would do it. If I'm telling the truth, give me a wave offering. Then give the Lord a clap offering. I just got you. Then turn to your neighbor and say, therefore, pay attention and you must not sleep. Now give the Lord another clap offering. I just got your number. Long life. What is God's definition of long life? Traditionally, Christians think it's 70 to 80 years. But it is not. That, I'm going to, you know, move fast. Because all these things, many of you have heard them before in the past. So I'm just going to mention them and... Uh, by the grace of God, Brother Bimbo and Sister Shola, they're able to flash the scriptures behind me so I don't have to turn to the scriptures and you can see them as I'm talking. When the Bible says the, the days of our lives are three score and if by reason, he was not talking, he was talking about the rebellious Jews who were in the wilderness and God had, had sworn that they would not enter the promised land. Watch this. They came out when the adults... Remember, this was, what, this was what they said. This was what happened. When they rebelled and said they brought us to the wilderness to kill us and our children 
and God was so angry, God wanted to destroy all of them. Moses interceded and said, oh Lord, don't do that. The Egyptians would think you couldn't deliver them. So God said, I've heard. I'm not going to do that, but I'm still going to kill them. Let me say, allow them to die. Maybe that's more palatable, but... You know, he said, none of them, except Joshua and Caleb, 20 years old and above, we enter the promised land. Do a small calculation. If all the world 20 years ago, how long did they spend in the wilderness? 60 years. Sorry, 40 years. That makes 60 for the youngest. So if you're looking at the people who are middle age, if you're looking at the guy who was averagely 30, 40, the mature ones, by the time you're looking at 40 years, that's where you get the 70 and the 80 from. I'm not talking to anybody here. That's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about us. And, you know, he's, and it's because of their rebellion that they were, let's read it because, you know, you're looking at me funny. Look at uh, uh, Psalm, Psalm 90. Scripture everybody knows. You know, people just quote the Bible and they don't quote it in context. If you look at, uh, and I'm going to read from verse 9 and 10 very quickly, and it's going to be from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Right. And so here we see, it said, for all our days, verse 9 in the Amplified Bible, for all our days, out here in this wilderness, says Moses, pass away in your wrath because of their rebellion. We spend our years as a tale that is told. For we adults, not the children, we adults know we are doomed to die soon without reaching Canaan. Verse 10, that's the one we all quote. The days of our years are three score and ten, or even by reason of strength, four score. The average person then would die between 70 and 80 in the wilderness because they're not going to the promised land. But 70 and 80 is not God's limit. And as a man thinking, it would be very wrong of you to think in your heart, aha, 70 and 80, I'm getting older, you know, I can die at any time. Once you believe that, that's usually what will happen. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I am 63, by the grace and the mercy of God. I still think as if I'm 20. I'm telling you the truth. You see me, the other day we were watching World Cup in my house. Me, Pastor Boyga, Pastor Kule. If you see how we are shouting, you think we are 20-year-old boys. Why? I, I'm still young in my mind. And I'm not thinking that, ah, 70... Seven years to 70, you know, maybe I have to retire. Reti- re- retire what? My life has just started. But it's a mentality I've had to, I had to reprogram my thinking. You must reprogram your thinking. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me say this. It's one of the reasons why you need to put the life of God into your physical body every day. It does two things. Number one, it keeps you healthy. It's medicine to all your flesh. But number two, which is what I want to emphasize now, it causes your youth to be renewed like the eagles. People see my wife and I say, ah, you look as if you are in your 50s. 
I, I, we, we looked at something. I was Pastor Wally who was telling me, I think, you know, when we're doing the programs for, you know, my birthday and all of those things, you know, if you look at our pictures when we were 50, we look younger now when we were 60 than the pictures of when we were 50. Why? The life of God is in operation. I'm going to look younger in 10 years' time than I'm looking now. I certainly intend to. By the grace and the mercy of God. I yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. It's all a question of, as a man thinking, what, what, what do you believe? According to your faith, so be it unto you. So then, what is God's definition of long life? Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. Excuse me. Genesis. Where are you? Thank you. And we're just going to look at, I think it's verse 3 or verse 4. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to the King James now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies, and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you, and God bless you.